Hey everyone, welcome back to In the Bin. Um, before I start the episode, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's um, been listening to these. At first, I wasn't sure if people would listen, but I just heard that we're about to hit 10,000 um, listens or plays or views or however you want to count it, uh, which is pretty fascinating to me. It's kind of crazy to think that people um, would sit here and listen to me, but thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, if you ever have any questions or guest recommendations or feedback, you just want to say hi, um, you can always reach out to us at in the bin at superapple.com. Um, today's guest is Darren Palmer. Darren is a new-ish uh, grower for the Bluebird Cooperative uh, out of Wenatchee, Washington. Bluebird has been growing pears, cherries, and apples uh, for over 100 years. They started in 1913, and they're still going strong today. Uh, so one of the longest-running um, packing houses and grower uh, cooperatives in the state. Uh, Darren, like I mentioned, is a new grower for them. Uh, his his family's been in the business a long time uh, through his through his wife's side, and he kind of has an interesting uh, avenue that he took to get into growing, and so we'll dive into that. And he's got a really honest take on some of the pressures um, that he's facing in his area that some other growers, um, you know, outside of that area might not be facing. And so we'll we'll dive into that. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Cool. How's that been being on the board as a younger uh, farmer? I guess uh, it's been it's been good. It's uh, something that. I wanted to do just for myself, um, just because I came from outside of the industry. And so there's no better way to get to know the industry besides getting on a board and, under, you know, like you <laughs> That's a good way kind of throwing right into the fire then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think that uh, Bluebird was, you know, receptive to me coming on the board because I was younger yeah. and had experience outside of the industry. So taking a peek at your LinkedIn, you used to manage construction, yeah. building commercial buildings. I saw a hotel on there. Yep. Um, <laughs> how do you go from, it's from what I've gathered, it sounds like it's uh, your wife's side of the family. Um, so how do you transition from construction management into orchard management? Um, so I got a BS degree in construction management. Okay. And so then um, went out and got, you know, put that degree to work and got a job in the construction industry and was a project manager in the Seattle area. And uh, I grew up in a small town in on the west side of Washington State, and my wife grew up in Leavenworth, which is on the east side, central Washington, and her family was in the orchard business. And so we, when we got out of school, we were both over in Seattle, and uh, my wife's a school teacher, and we both grew up in that small town environment where we didn't live when we had jobs that like, you know, construction and my oh, wife, yeah, the yeah. teacher. So we were, we were in, you know, we were in the metropolitan area over there and knew that we didn't want that to be where we lived while we had kids growing up. Yeah. So from the very beginning, we knew we were going to go okay. either where I grew up or where she grew up. And it's pretty, pretty hard to beat Leavenworth. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty nice in <laughs> the summer. It's pretty. That was a good I, choice. I, I actually like the winter, you know, when the snow and. Yeah. I know. I'm surprised you're not skiing right now. It, uh, tomorrow. Did probably, you bring your yeah. stuff? I did. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So. It, and um, so her her dad was, you know, getting towards retirement age and was like, oh, you should come over here and, you know, learn how to farm and take care of this. And nice. I grew up on a farm. So the equipment side of things and, you know, the hard work and ours was cattle and timber. But it's, you know, like it's more or less the same yeah, thing. right? You got your hands dirty. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we went back and forth. And then as we were ready to start having children, I was like, well, we got to pick when actually we had children and our my daughter was 
getting to the age where she was going to go to kindergarten. It was like, well, we got to pick where, yeah. we're, where we're going. And it's time. <laughs> so, you know, we'd had a lot of time to think about it. And so we ended up moving over. And nice. So as soon as I came over, it was like, okay, how do we, how do you farm? I bet that was exciting for uh, your father-in-law and mother-in-law to have the next generation come oh, for and, sure, and yeah. take it over. I'm sure it was a like, weight off of their shoulders because they, you know, there's this, they didn't have a succession plan before that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm so, sure it was a... So you come into it with zero knowledge of, of orchards and tree fruit the, and the, hit the ground running? Yeah. The the trees, I didn't really know what the trees were doing. <laughs> you know, like how to, how to prune them, anything like that. I was I was comfortable with the equipment, like I said, because I grew up, I mean, I grew up driving equipment yeah. from the time I was two. My dad would put me in the truck, throw it in gear, jump out, get in the back of the pickup, and I'd, you know, stand on the steering wheel, turn it all the way to the right, turn it all the way to the left as he was feeding the cows. Yeah, Ray told me you're a hell of a backhoe operator. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, that comes, you know, when you start at two, yeah. driving something, by the time you're four or five, you can basically drive home, turn the key off, because this was back before you had, you know, all the safety features. Yeah. So I could literally just turn the key on, the truck would take off and go, and <laughs> I'd get where I wanted to go, and I'd shut it off, and... I don't know, I was probably 10-ish, and my, my dad was a logger, and it wasn't legal for me to drive a pickup on the road, but I could drive equipment on the road, so yeah. next thing you know, I'm on a the skitter. Old, the old farm loophole. Yeah, exactly, so I'm on the equipment, <laughs> yeah. and dad's in the pickup behind me with his four-ways going. And Yeah, I did the same thing. You can't drive a truck down the highway when you're 12, but you can drive a combine down the highway yeah. when you're 12. Exactly. <laughs> so um, so who, who taught you, I guess? Was it your father-in-law? Or the... Yeah, so when I came over, uh, you know, I, I had a a lot of energy to to get out there and so you know it was just every, out there every morning on the on the tractor mowing passing you know, down his knowledge yeah to you which has been a you know he he's literally grew up there since his dad was you know a farmer on that same piece of property and his grandpa started it wow. so that so he's been there his entire life like literally wow. his entire life on that so fourth generation right yeah so you're, i'm, I'm you're... the fourth generation now. okay or my, my wife and I are the fourth generation. Right. And so, he, you know, he's got a lot of just, he just knows what he's doing, right? He's got a gut that tells him, hey, this is... He knows where every valve's at. Well, he yeah, knows he all, knows, the well, all of that, right? Like, he, he he knows where every valve's at because he put it in. <laughs> yeah. You know, for the last however many years, yeah. that, that's what he's been doing. So, there, there was a lot of... And I come from the construction industry where, you know, everything's kind of new. It's all per plans. You know, you... You're working with people to come up with the, you know, the buildings basically. So everything was, you know, there's a lot more structure to it. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that, how do I get that information out of him? Because it's second nature to him and I have no idea. True. Yeah. That's so, a good point. so he, you know, he's got such an understanding of it and, and, and anybody that's been doing that for so long, they just, that's what they know. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, getting, trying to get as much of that information. And you must've got enough out. Cause yeah, well, you're yeah, doing, I mean, doing and then, well, you know, so. just you trial by fire that was you know that was one of his things that he definitely wanted to uh instill upon me is like i can tell you how to do it and i'll tell you how to do it i'll, I'll give you advice but until you go out there and stub your toe oh yeah you gotta you're not, live and learn yeah dude. exactly so <laughs> so if i have some idea and he's like yeah have at it and he may not have agreed with it but he would give me the leash to go out there and stub my toe and be like oh yeah that's why he said that's the best do, way to learn that's though. why he said not to do it that way yeah Learning by experience, yeah. trial by fire. Um, you know, if it was like way off base or whatever, you know, he'd be like, hey, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> if you Don't lose the farm, he'll really evac. Yeah, um, like have you replanted any orchards or put any new ones in, in since you've been um, um, doing this? 
not we we are always replanting but it's not necessarily like a complete tear out um currently in a in a leased um block we just tore some out and he's got in that block that i took over there's a um new high density cherry and new high density pear it's a few acres each that have, okay we're in the middle of and then this year we took out some more so we'll be replanting those and so i guess how many like total acres uh, do you manage or or own or how um right at about 200 okay and that's cherries pears mainly mainly pears okay. and then um we have some organic cherries and some more and some conventional cherries and then some apples some okay cool but so the, all the three. apples are all older not not too many you know it's not it's more for like a fruit stand and oh cool we get we get a couple that come into the warehouse but Nice. So you've got all the main, I guess, tree fruit yeah. commodities. Yeah, so definitely mainly mainly pears. Which one's the easiest? Uh, the easiest? Yeah. None of them are easy. Well, I know. Well, one's got to be easier <laughs> than the others. I'm guessing cherries, but... Cherries? No, cherries are stressful. <laughs> For two months. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess probably more five or six. But... Or the whole year, because then, you know, I don't, it's just cherries are stressful. Yeah. Cause as, you... as far as inputs, though, which ones, I guess, are the most taxing? Um... I mean, the anjos are, are challenging because of the pests. And that we work really hard to to keep the pests out of the tree. So the Andrews attract more pests than, than yeah. others. Okay, so I didn't I didn't know this. So. Yeah, because it's got to be the you know the the waxiness on the leaf or something that our biggest pest is the parasilla, and so for whatever reason they like the younger shoots that come out of an anjo. They, I mean they'll they're attracted to any pair, but they prefer an anjo. So if you got a it's got a sweeter you taste a or something. An anjo right next to each other, the anjo will get really? a little bit more. Wow. There's I, all the other pests that everybody yeah. else has to battle, but I always hear about like coddling moth yeah. and stuff like that. And I, coddling moth isn't for us isn't isn't really interesting that big of a pest. So how do you treat that then on Andrews? Uh, it's just you got to stay on it. You got to you know you're always you got a to, lot of tools in the bag. Though, right? lot, yeah, pruning wise, um, obviously we have to spray the trees to you know for all kinds of stuff. Mm. And so you're all, I mean, it's, it's, it's always, it's everything you're, we're out there summer pruning them. So we're trying to pull that sucker growth as the, as the summer grows, you get the suckers coming out of the top of the tree. And so you're out there pulling those to try and eliminate that soft, fresh leaf that that pest likes to go to. So controlling kind of new growth. Controlling new growth. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I don't know much about that, that pest. So I know you were on a panel recently this last fall for IPM. Um, mm -hmm. How, how are you implementing that in, in different orchards? So, so WSU, Washington state university, their tree fruit. So um, they're, they're working on the IPM program and it's been, I think they've had a couple of different rounds of it mm -hmm. and they've, they're, so they're, they're doing everything they can to try and get away from all the harsher chemicals that we use. And, you know, years ago, the chemicals were, were pretty harsh and they'd spray, you know, three times a year. And, you know, we spray 10 to 12 times a year. And the, it's, and it's basically because the efficacy of our spray programs aren't what they used to aren't be. Aren't as strong, basically. Aren't as strong. So you just have to do more applications. Yeah, so you're constantly, and, so, and, it's, and the, the, the chemicals that we have to use are very targeted. And so as we... And, and very expensive. Yeah. So that's, it's a very expensive thing and it doesn't really work. I mean, it, it does work. It obviously works a little, but you're just constantly battling it. Huh. So the IPM program is, is looking at it and saying, okay, so, you know, why do, why in our area do we have such a problem with this one pest? 
and what can we do to, you know, what have we done and what can we do to, you know, other options besides just going out there and spraying them because the sprays that we get, you know, they, they work, you know, there's not very many new ones. And when you do get a new one, it'll work pretty good. But then it just, you know, that, that efficacy of that wears off over time. Do the, do the bugs like adapt? To yeah, it? basically. Wow. You know, so they, they evolve. <laughs> and, and they, you know, I don't remember. It's like four generations a year, I think. Really? Yeah. So they, so they cycle real quick. And every cycle gets more yeah, resistant. Yeah, so every time to, there's oh, a little man. bit. So, you know, that happens very quickly, you know, very quickly, right. maybe five, ten years. Right. But that, I mean, that's but 40 that, generations. Right yeah. There. But that's then crazy. how many, you know, like we don't wow. get new chemicals all that often. Right. So Dang. anyways, that, you know, it's, and then. I don't know, it's, just, it's a challenge, right? That's a challenge that I don't know all that too much about. I just know what my field man tells me. Hey, this is, you know, let's let's go after it with this because there's all kinds of rules to what you can spray when and, you know, what the pre-harvest intervals are on yeah. and how many applications per year you can do them. You know, there's a lot of rules, so. And they're expensive. So with this IPM program, it's the, the they're looking at like, what else can we do? So what used to be here that's not there? So with the IPM program, we're trying to, get natural enemies back into the orchards and so they've maybe been killed off because of a broad spectrum um, insecticide Mm. and so they're no longer in the orchards so i have a block that's specific that is kind of segregated off from any other orchards and so right next to the orchard is a heavy stand of timber and right below it there's a 20 acre field that's just wide open grass you know kind of natural grasses Mm. And then the Peshastan Creek runs through the property. Nice. So if there's a beneficial insect in our valley, it's probably on this piece of property. <laughs> yeah. So I've had six really good success with that. So this is our last growing season was our second year in the program. And the they this and this I think is their second time trying this program. So a couple of years ago they had a group of growers that got into it and they didn't have as much success as we've experienced this time. And so the second time around, I was asked, they were at looking for volunteers. And I was like, well, there's a site that if it's going to work, it's going to work here. <laughs> and so last year um, in July, we were, we've gone through the soft program. So we're, we're trying not to spray any harsher chemicals. It's a broad spectrum killer. And in July, when our pest was getting really bad, it was like, oh, this is getting this is getting tough. We might have to pull the plug and use something to knock them down, that you know isn't within our isn't in this program. Right. Um. You know, it's something that we use on our conventional sites, and so we're watching it. And this this specific block is an older block that, and this the tree spacing is very wide, and the trees are enormous. <laughs> you know, like they're just really big old trees, so they're hard to get spray coverage into the tree, and you know, with the, the wider it gets, it's like, you know, taking out a, uh, you know, a paint sprayer and you spray from a long ways away, <laughs> you're just kind of dusting it, but yeah. you got to get right into it. So it's, you know, it's either you just take a really long time spraying it one side in a tree at, you know, a mile and a half, it takes a long time <laughs> or, you know, you just kind of blow it out there and hope it works. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was, it was a really good block for us to, to work this experiment with. And, so, like I was saying, in July of last year, we were like, oh, I don't know. We may have to pull the plug and go to something that's, you know, going to help us. Right. And it just kind of flattened out. Huh. And then we got more beneficial bugs that came into the orchard. And by the end of the year, when we started picking it, it was actually fairly clean. The trees were very clean because 
part of the problem with this pest that gets in our trees is they get sticky. Oh. So it gets a honeydew that's in the tree. And so you, as you're in the tree actually picking the fruit, the fruit's sticky. And it's like, you know, you're getting up in this giant paintbrush. It's <laughs> sticky. So nobody likes it. Yeah. And it, it marks our fruit up. And if you get the marking early in the year, like in July, then you can't get it off huh. because it bakes on in the summer heat. And so then as it goes through the warehouse and down the line and we clean the fruit, well, that, it's just stuck on there. Yeah. You, can't, you can't get it off. And so, you know, huh. my wife doesn't like to go to the store and pick up a piece of fruit to feed to my kids. It's got a marker, a blemish or something on it. So that gets tossed. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, that's a piece of fruit that there's absolutely nothing, nothing wrong. wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly good piece of fruit, except for there's, you know, something that somebody perceives as, oh, this isn't yeah. perfect. I'm yeah. not going to eat it. Your wife's not alone there. I no, think, no, I think 99% of yeah, exactly. shoppers are that way. Yeah, Absolutely. It's crazy. So, uh, what what exact do you know exactly which predator I guess was eating or killing off those those uh, the bad bugs? Um, well, I think that ours and our block is Trechnites is the one that is the the good the good the, good the bug. beneficial bug that's getting into the orchard and actually interesting killing yeah. the pest. And you didn't introduce those; those were no not, not from the surrounding yeah, area. They're in the I area, guess. but they don't. You know, they're just not coming into the orchard. Interesting. Or if they were coming into the orchard, they're getting, they're getting hit with the. That's so cool. Man, yeah, that whole concept is just awesome. And so then this year, so last year it leveled out, and then this year we're like, okay, we'll do it again. And from the very beginning, we had beneficial bugs into the orchard. Oh, cool. And so, um, you know, like I was saying, we spray ten to twelve times a year. Well, this specific site, we sprayed four times this year. Wow! So as as spring comes and the trees are waking up and the bed, buds are starting to swell and move, we we spray at that point. To, we actually spray clay onto our trees because that pest doesn't like to walk around in clay like anybody. <laughs> you know, you go out in the in the mud and walk around on clay and you get a bunch of clay on your yeah. feet. It's like oh, this is gross, huh. right? They've got wings. They've got you know a bunch of legs, and it's huh. just not. They'd prefer to move on someplace yeah. else. So we put our clay sprays on at the beginning of the year. And uh, this site's a little bit later because it's up a valley on the, I guess we'll probably be on the north facing side. So there's snow that's there later than a lot of other places. And so as uh, as we started into the growing season, they just we just didn't have the pressure that we had on other areas. That's so cool. And then this year, specifically this year, was... Mother Nature has a lot to do with our industry. Right. And for whatever reason, there wasn't a ton of the pressure from that pest throughout the valley. But f so we had a we had a good growing year for it. But I mean, it was it's it's very we had a lot of other problems in that block. <laughs> um, but it was uh, there's always something. It was always we got hailed on. And then there's other <laughs> pests that were coming into the block that we weren't. You know, we normally will just take care of and they're you know, we don't as in our conventional blocks, we don't even really think about them because we already just, we just take care of them. Yeah. But so that we got some other. So next year we'll have to address those problems and nothing, nothing I can do about the hail. But it's cool you're able to cut back the spraying though. I mean, that's it, really cool. It, anytime it's, you can reduce the amount of inputs you got to yeah. put in. That, I mean, financially that just helps. Well, it works ton. for everybody, right? I mean, who doesn't want to see less inputs going into everybody? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody wants to see less of that. So that's anything we cool. can do to continue to grow that, and so I've got a really good site. There's other people that have other sites, and they all were uh, a success this year also. Hmm. Not to the extent that I was, but so as an industry, we're looking at that. Like, how do we, how can we 
push this? How can we grow those areas? So now if we got a pocket right. where we got how these beneficials. Spread that around. How do we spread it? Now my site's completely segregated off, like <laughs> I was saying, but if we can get one set up in the middle of a valley, like how do you get there? Do you think can we reintroduce bugs, right. you know, the beneficials to the areas? Do you think it's possible in 10, 20, 30 years to like really eliminate that pest? Is that no. is that like can it get to that scale? Or at least at least really impact it? Uh, I mean, possibly. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm just curious, like, how far it can go, you know, like, if, if it completely changed the whole dynamics of the valley in terms of pests. I mean, you got to have a goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's a, a realistic goal, but I think that anything we can do to get that direction is good. Are there any other IPM examples? Uh, maybe different blocks that other pests or something that? Uh, well, that's that's our pest. Like that's the that's one. The that, one that's the one. Really? That, huh? I mean, we are very. Dang. That's the one we go after. Huh. Okay. The rest of them that doesn't doesn't cause the same economic impact that that one pest does. So um, you mentioned Leavenworth area. Um, obviously, very hilly, very mountainous. Yep. Um We got a sweet sledding hill. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you want to get into some of the challenges there? I know you can't drive tractors at a 45 degree angle. Yeah. Um, um, so we kind of pride ourselves in the Wenatch- upper Wenatchee Valley as having the best pairs in the world. I mean, I, I think we, it's, yeah, that's well known. We, we live there. We, we kind of, you know, that's our You're feeling. A little biased. We're a little biased, <laughs> but you know, like that's, you go to the store and you can tell if they're upper Valley pair or they're not. Yeah. Just, you know, you go into Walmart and you look at them and you're like, oh, yeah, those are, those are, those are from someplace <laughs> Even else. Even without seeing the label. Without you, seeing you the label. Just, that's cool. And, I, you know, like every time I go into a store, no matter where I'm at, any place, if there's a pear, I'll go, or apple or cherry, or I'll go look and see whose it is. You know, like, yeah. is this, was this one of ours? Right. Or is this one of our competitors in our area? Or is this from another area of the country or another area of the world? Yeah. Or what, you know, what's the competition doing? I think in terms of the buying side of things, people recognize that too. Yeah. The 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 Wenatchee Valley, I, I guess, as yeah. as like the premium pairs. Yeah. So. So, which the other day I was in Walmart and I was like, "Oh, those are really nice." <laughs> they were <laughs> nice. they were from our, you know, they were. Oh, they, they were super fresh. Yeah. Oh, well, they, they were. were yeah, oh, they were right. super fresh. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Stick around. <laughs> but it was like, dang, those those look those look good. What were they? Anjos? They had, yeah they the, all they actually they had Anjos, Bartlett's, and Bosque all you know, nice. Nice, you know, open and they, display. And they all looked good? And they all three of them looked really good. Nice. I was impressed. Cool. Actually. That's such a good feeling. It was. Because <laughs> sometimes you go in and it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Glad I've those aren't ours. Before. <laughs> I won't say where I was, but one time I actually went to a local store and bought out all of their Cosmic Crisps because they had just like started to break down. <laughs> Got to get rid of these. it was a these. bad representation and our logo was right there. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to buy them all and throw them away. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess kind of going back to the to our area, um, yeah, we're we're definitely on some hills, and we've got well established orchards from, you know, the, my basically from the tens, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. There's a lot of orchards that have been established and in, in the area for that long, and just on the side of mountains. Basically. And and yeah, they're on the. I mean, the Leavenworth Valley is pretty steep sides, yeah. and so yeah, if we can. If they could put an orchard on it back in the day, they did. <laughs> and so we've got a lot of uh, terrain that's a little more difficult to get on than some of the other growing areas. How's the actual soil, though? Aside from the slope, I mean, how how healthy, like how fertile is that soil up there? Oh, we got really fertile soil. It's good? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we got fertile soil. I mean, I don't know if you want to get all into it, but like, you know, back when 
the Missoula floods came and that, you know, pushed a bunch of soil up there. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of, it was my favorite class in college was, uh, oh yeah, that's, ge- geology dude, of national well, parks. And <laughs> I love it too. Yeah. So the, the whole flood kind of, kind of got into it and. And so it just kind of dumps all that sediment. Yeah. So there's a lot of sediment that, you know, came down the Wenatchee Valley, which, you know, carved out Wenatchee. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of a backflow that came up in there. And so we've got some huge, huge rocks that came floating up there on, you know, icebergs. Is that what those, the spires are? uh, I think those were washed away. Yeah. So the spires were like the shafts shafts and pinnacles have been. Right. Those. Yeah. The erosion has exposed those rocks. Got it. Okay. But there's, you know, there's huge, huge rocks that have either came out of the Cascades or came out of Montana or Canada or That's someplace so crazy, man. and have been Jeez. deposited there. So, but man. so we've got really good soil. We have a lot of varying soil too, depending on where you're at. So, um, you had mentioned when we were, you know, before the show about, uh, real estate pricing. Yeah. Uh, you've described the Wenatchee Valley and Leavenworth area as like very beautiful. And it is, if anyone's never been there, it's very scenic. Yeah. Um, you can get on Hallmark channel and oh, watch yeah. a uh, it, it's, Christmas movie and they, a lot of times they've got downtown Leavenworth. Everybody wants to retire yeah. there. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so how do you um, how do you deal with the I guess the incentives so, to, to sell versus continue growing? Um, well in our area there is it's definitely it's changed quite a bit over the last you know 25 years yeah. basically. Because, you know, the Washington's growing. A lot of people have moved into the Seattle area and it's a two hour drive over. And, you know, Leavenworth, a Bavarian themed town that does all the Christmas lights and does, you know, it's every every weekend there's some sort of a festival going on. Um, we had a, a game warren that was over a couple weeks ago and he was talking about, you know, things that were happening and he gets bears are a problem in town. Hmm. And so he was, you know, he was talking about that. And he, <laughs> side note, I went bear hunting this year up there. <laughs> didn't see a single bear. <laughs> I believe you that they're yeah. in town, but dude, I was up there for a week. I didn't see a single well, bear. <laughs> so one, of, one of our, uh, one of my guys on the crew, Sammy lives in Leavenworth right by the golf course. And he, we were calling the game department because, a bear was crawling into the back of his pickup and eating. A, he had like taking pears home to oh, feed his kids, oh, and they were no. in the back of his truck. And there's like bear paws on the side of his truck, and then it's like hanging out up the tree and getting into their garbage. And oh so we gosh. were we were one of the people that were calling the game department, like, "Hey, there's a bear. You got to come, come help crazy. us out with this thing. What do we do?" But anyway, side note from all yeah. of that, he, when he was there, he was talking. You know, he was he was talking about the. That I think you said there was three million people that go through Leavenworth every year. Holy cow! And he said it's about the same scale as Yellowstone. Whoa! As far as tourists, you know, I would believe that. In the summer on the weekends, man, oh, it's, it's just the crazy summer. It's the winter. Anywhere. It's the, my first first winter there. You know, literally needed to go get some milk, right? And so I, my wife was someplace, and so I'm like, oh, let's go, kids. And so we jump in the car to go to Leavenworth. And we live like three miles from town. The Safeway right there? Yeah, the Safeway. Yeah. And I got about a mile from the house, and I noticed the traffic was pretty heavy, and then we were just stopped. Oh, man. I was like, well, I got two more miles to go. We're not getting milk. <laughs> so we <laughs> turned around and went back home, but... So that's, you know, that's the Christmas tree lighting in the middle of... Oh, yeah. Shoot. It's, it's, yeah, it's, don't leave your house doing no. that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, everyone wants to be there. Yeah. So with everybody coming over and everybody, oh, this is great, right? And so there's people from outside the area that come over and they want to have a vacation house or yeah. another rental or, you know, something over there. So we get a lot of pressure from people that are coming over. 
and which what's that do to your land prices just drives them up yeah. and so you know there's an economic level that you can purchase a piece of property and then farm it and well that's not the not the level that we are in so as there's a lot of there's a lot of families in in the valley from from Wenatchee all the way up to Leavenworth that you know that's that's what their families have done. I'm not you know we're we're not unique in yeah, the fact right. that we're fourth generation. Right. Um and so there's it's very tough to pass that on to another generation because they can't necessarily afford one they they just can't afford to farm the size of the acreage that their parents might have they maybe have you know 25 30 acres because that was sustainable 20 30 years ago that if you had 25 30 acres that was something that was you know you could survive and have a family on something like that and you maybe would have a a job in the winter or something to try and supplement that but you know farming is kind of a full-time job yeah and uh so that's not the case now. If you have twenty five or thirty acres, you're you're not. I mean, it's more of a hobby at this point. Right. You got to really. And scale so there's it. there's a lot of people that are, you know, uh, you know, dad or grandpa or whatever's been doing this his entire life. He's eighty five years old and he's still getting out there mowing. You know, like, but the kids or the grandkids or nobody's going to come. Yeah, that's a common take it over because it's a job. It's a common trend. Yeah, in, and so. They look at it like, okay, one, we can't afford to farm it just without purchasing land because the family already owns the land. Right. And now you'd throw on top of that the fact that, you know, land prices are yeah, very so you can't, expensive. You can't really – so if someone does have 25, 35 acres, you can't really expand that because the price of the land yeah. is is out of reach really. Exactly. So, so you're kind of stuck at that size that the families have yeah, for the you're past. Kind of, you're kind of protecting what you got. Right. But that's all you, you can't, that's, you can't, you can't really expand. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And yeah, so that's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And so, you know, we're losing acreage to development. And so, you know, we look at it as, you know, we're growing the best pairs in the world. And it's just the acreage is going down and down and down. And the cost inputs are going up and up and up. And there's efficiencies that are being gained in other areas that we just, because we're on those hillsides, you know, we can't, we just can't keep up with those efficiencies that, you know, if you've got a hundred acre square block that's got, you know, eight by 16 inch tree spacings <laughs> it's just you know we it's you just economically can't do yeah it. it's hard to get um big yields yeah from from that from a, an orchard that's on a high slope yeah uh, with wide rows yeah compared to a perfect rectangle that's flat and eight by 16 yeah trees. and we're sitting there waiting for the snow to melt <laughs> and our first sprays are going on we got to get out there and mow because we prune all winter so we got you know prunings all through the orchard that we got to go mow and pick up and and then you know you can't get on these areas because there's literally still snow on them and even once the snow goes now there's soil that's really wet and you're on a slope and how i'm thinking about um what you were saying about the families that are stuck in that um situation how common is it for for, i don't want to use the word sell out but essentially how how frequently are you seeing it where they end up taking the real estate option um, and subdividing is it like the common thing that everybody? I don't know what the other option is. So they eventually have to. I mean, the other option would be is to lease it out to somebody else that could come in and farm it. Okay. I mean that that's the only you're just you're prolonging it. Yeah. So it's inevitable. Yeah. Interesting. If you can hold out 
for another like 10, 20 years, the land value is just going to go up and up and up at some well, point, at some point. Yeah, there's... but then you also got <clears throat> new neighbors, right? That don't want farming right next to them. At some they, point. Everybody the... loves the look of it, but they don't want it next door. Interesting. See, I do want it next door. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, yeah. I, we live in the middle of it. It's yeah. great. We live in the middle of a cherry orchard and I love it. I have it no other way. So there's, there's a number at some point where someone just takes it. Yeah. Interesting. Man. Um, I don't blame them, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's there's an orchard that we my father in law has been farming since '88. Storage units now. Man, like it, so it's flat. <laughs> well, yeah, we have a little bit flat. <laughs> that one's flat. That one's, okay. it was on the right there on Highway Two. Yeah. How much um, storage is actually in Leavenworth area? Is there are there a lot of CA facilities like in actually in Leavenworth, or a lot of them outside in like Wenatchee and Kashmir? And oh, we've got quite a few. Do you? Yeah. I just I guess I've never seen them as I go through. Um, like the main road and stuff. Yeah. Well, in Pashasin, where Bluebird's at, we've got them. Our neighbors have got them. We've got another warehouse, two warehouses on Saunders Road, which is right, you know, close, yeah. within a mile of our main warehouse there. And then, yeah, as you go down towards Wenatchee, there's more uh, other co-ops and other independent warehouses. Yeah, it's a cool area, man. Um, I love the Pashastin Pes- 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 area. Um, Bluebirds had that line there. I just learned this since like 1918 or something. Yeah. Obviously the building's changed, right? And they've upgraded it and stuff. But we, uh, I was looking at the, when they had the hundredth year anniversaries, looking yeah. at some of those photos, man, with the rail that came right through there. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Like the, the longevity and the historical generational, I guess, at Bluebird is just fascinating. Yeah. And it's which it is generational. So one of our truck drivers, his dad was a driver also, and so when he was a kid, he talks about like how they used to go out and have to load the rail cars, <laughs> and you know just how thing you know there's more to the story about how things were substantially different when he was a kid. And, you know, there's a lot more, a lot more fun, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> and you know, but they worked, they worked their tails off, and yeah, they'd have to. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, so... he, he. I mean, one of the guys that I see all the time, he's not not all that old that. You know, he talks about loading the rail cars. Man, it's like something that's been there for 150 years. It's eventually going to get priced out. Yeah, it's crazy. And like for us, we're you know, I'm I'm the fourth generation. My son's got a fifth generation farmer hat. You know, because he likes to be out there. Oh, cool, good. You think he'll he'll follow in the the footsteps and? Um, you 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 would hope, right? Yeah. I mean, the lifestyle that it gives you is how how old is he? Five. Okay. Well, I've got got five. He's he's the one with the hat. I've got a five year old. I've got an eight year old and eleven year old daughter. Cool. So you know, I mean, it's and the lifestyles are great, right? Like that's 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 what you get as a farmer, I guess, Mm -hmm. and that's what you're giving up. You're giving up some other things to have that lifestyle. That's a good point. Yeah. And so it's a trade off. And uh, but with that, the the crew that works for us is they're in their fourth and fifth generation also working for us. And so, you know, uh, Papa Carlos, as we call him, Papa Carlos, he, he came and started working for us with his dad. So him and his dad came up and I think he was 16 when he came up and he's been working for us ever since. And when he first came him and his dad came came the first year, and then when he came back, he brought his brothers with him. So he brought five other brothers with him. So there Man. were six of them that were coming up and working for us, and four of those brothers still work for us. Wow. One of them went back and 
to their hometown in Mexico and has been taking the money that he made here and has opened stores and is very successful down there. Wow. And, uh, and so they're attached to your, to your land. Oh, they're attached to it too. also. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. So, so his kids are in their thirties now and they're, they're the guys that are taking over with me and, you know, becoming the managers of the orchard and running, you know, running the crews more and having more responsibilities. And so there's been a transition from the older generation to the younger generation, both in the actual management and in the, the labor side of it. And, and now their kids are getting of age also. And so I've got a, um, I guess he's 19 or 20 now that's out there working. Oh, and then, cool. You know, 16 year old that's works on the summers and a couple of them that are working in the summers or getting out there mowing lawns or, you know, wow. they're doing something, but yeah. they're, they're out there trying to earn some extra cash so that they huh. can, you know, go get shoes or whatever. Yeah. So that's a challenge for me because I look at all this, gen, you know, like we're family, right? Like, yeah, you, you don't live side by, I mean, they're, they live a hundred yards from me. You know, we work <laughs> together every day. Yeah. You see them there's daily. I mean, my, there's four girls that are all in the same class together. Wow. So my daughter and the twins that oh, are next really? door to oh, us cool. and then Dulce, who's, you know, they're all in the same sixth grade class. So they're all close friends. So they're all and close yeah. friends. And you that's know, so crazy, man. It's like a micro community. That's totally. We got the compound up there. <laughs> and I was going to say cult, but I went with <laughs> micro community. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, I mean, when they're a little bit younger, they're like, I'd come home and there'd be 15 kids running around my house. Right. Cause there's just, they're out there on the trampoline Man. or swimming in the pool or playing tag or who knows, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. They're it, always, it's cool. Cause everyone there is just connected to the land and yeah. the success of the land too. The, so yeah. if you have a good year, everyone thrives. If you have exactly, a bad year, yeah. everyone suffers. So. Yeah. And it's like, how do you, how do you keep this going? How yeah. do I, how do I put us in a position to, bring that next generation on how do i give them an incentive to stay and and work and grow a career and not have them go off and do whatever yeah that's a whole whole nother struggle is yeah. young children um you know as everyone has more access to education and stuff they don't necessarily always come back to the farm they yeah. want to go be doctors or or whatever which is. is great right yeah. i mean i'm all for which is fantastic it. too yeah. but and, then that and, kind of penalizes that's our, that's our our approach, right. Is their family. So you're, you're trying to do whatever's best for them. Mm -hmm. Also, like you want to push them in a direction that they want to go in, but you know, there's, there's career opportunities in yeah. the fruit industry that, you know, maybe they could become a, a warehouse manager or, you know, yeah. line managers or, you know, whatever there's, you know, there's all kinds of career paths out there, whether it's specifically working in the orchard or running a crew or, mm -hmm. you know, just uh, or selling the, it, or, selling it. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of options. Right. And so, how do you, how do, you know, that's, that's my job, right? Is how do I, cause I look at them all as family. I look at them all as, as people that we're providing for. And so how do we, how do we keep this going? Yeah, man. Cause it gets harder and harder. Crazy. Yeah. But Hey, we're up for it. Yeah. Good. Um, man, I'm thinking about that. Uh, I don't know. I can't, you can't stress enough, like how much it's family. Like it's, it I, is. It, it's, yeah. I mean, and we're not, you know, there, it's the same. <coughs> you look at all these smaller growers, it's the same, you, the same story, different faces, different names. Um, you had, they're similar. You were telling me about kind of a collaborative group. Uh, was it AEW? What was the, well, Wenatchee Valley Family Farms is a group that we're, we're starting right now. We're recently started. I guess it's been about a year that we've kind of. And so it's a lot of small. It's a, yeah. So people. there's three co-ops in our valley and we're kind of getting together and we're trying to, because we've got all these, these 
these things that we're faced with, whether it's regulations and paperwork and, you know, whatever it is, yeah. right? There's a lot, the, I mean, one of the things that's come up right, it's like coming to a head right now is our 40 hour work weeks. So it used to be that ag was exempt from overtime. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we, our crews work year round, but right now it's snowing outside today. They maybe got, I don't know, three, four, five hours in today, but it's cold and snowing. And so they're, they cut out. Yeah. Tomorrow, if it's, it's supposed to get cold. So, you, you know, if it's, if it's too cold, you can't be out there working. Right. right. Or so, too hot. Or too hot. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we have times of the year where we're a little bit slower or, and we got times of the year where like, it's got to happen now. Yeah. It's a 90 hour week. It's, or... it's today. Yeah. We're, we're you start at two. In the morning, right? Like Jeez. a couple of years ago when we're picking cherries, like people are out there with headlamps because, you know, you don't want to pick a cherry over 80 degrees. Right, well, it's the low right. of the day is 80 degrees. <laughs> and the, four in the morning. Well, yeah. And so it's like, you, you got to make it happen, right? Yeah. So, so that we have, we have both times of the year when times are, you know, you got to have, it's got to, it's a 50, 60 hour work week or it's a 20 hour work week. Mm -hmm. So how to you know that's a big burden on us then to go and start paying overtime which we that hasn't been a thing where you know you kind of look at it as a whole year over the year right spread out you're, right. you know it's it's averaging out so the new laws last year was i think 48 hours and so we were right there uh we're you know we're like hey you know overtime's coming in so at 48 you know we can let's cut it off well right. now it's 40 hours and so that just gets to be a challenge, right? Now. Right. Especially now, when, I mean, you got to get the fruit off the yeah. tree. Now I'm like, paying 30 bucks an hour for somebody to be out there working. And that's, that's a hard, yeah, hard pill to swallow. Definitely. And you can't just leave it out there. And, and you don't have a choice. Yeah. Right. You don't, you, there's, that's your business. Like, yeah. Man. Timing, timing's everything. Not, so, so that's one of the things as we, we have a lot of challenges and as smaller growers, some of those hurdles are very hard to get over. And, but as a group, if we can, we can kind of combine our efforts as all of these smaller grow, growers through these different co-ops, like, hey, let's get together and kind of work together so that we can compete with these larger corporations that are, you know, honestly have more efficient farming practices because they're out farming orchards in different areas because right. they can't get into our area <laughs> because nobody, you know, they, well, one, they can't afford. This, the dust doesn't pencil. Yeah, <laughs> so right. they're, they'll take their you know their capital firm and uh, invest their money someplace else. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a challenge. So that's one of the things that we're working on is like, hey, how, you know, can we can we come to an, a some sort of balance here with the overtime wage? And you know, our, our our labor rates have gone up substantially over the last five to seven years. Yeah. It's so not slowing down. It's either. not slowing down, and <laughs> and you know there's surveys out there that they survey us. Uh, it just like every year, it's just ticking up. Like this year, it's a dollar twenty seven, twenty eight an hour that the wage has gone up. Man, and then you throw on top of that a forty hour work week and overtime, and now overtime, yeah. and so it's like, well, they'll, they'll so now what? Jeez, um, and so that the group, the the multiple co ops coming together. Um, Outside of labor, are there any other issues that they're working to solve together, or well, is it mostly for labor? So labor's the pressing issue because you know if you're a larger grower, you can bring H two A guys mm -hmm. in under a contract, which housing has to 
is a, is a, a major hurdle to get over. And one of the things we're running into, because we're such an older area, is like the house that I live in, I couldn't transition to H2A housing because there's no certificate of occupancy for mm. it. And so that's one of the requirements. I was like, well, the house has been here forever. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's perfectly fine. And, yeah. You know, or you're, you know, you got a tenant that you're kicking out to try and put uh, H2, you know, labor housing Group, in yeah. and you can't get it approved. It's like, what? yeah, but it's totally fine for somebody else to be living in there. They were right. paying rent in a normal, you know, competitive market like any other area. Hmm. But yet this house doesn't approve for the H2A. Huh. And there's really no land to go and build an a, a actual H2A facility um, based off, like you're saying, that the real estate prices. Yeah, real just... estate prices are, I mean, they're, they're, people are doing that, but then, you know, you're basically building an apartment complex. Right. You have to take out an orchard just to put yeah. in H2A housing. And if you're going to do that, you might as well put, Sell. Somebody, <laughs> in this, put somebody in there that's actually going to pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> Man, because H, you know, because we provide housing. Like all oh my guys, you know, my right. the majority of my guys live in our housing. You got any good news? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we got a sweet Sledden Hill, <laughs> right through the rows of Andrews. Yeah, yeah, right down the road. Granddad will go pick him up at the bottom. Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but so that's that's the challenge, though, right? Like, it's you, we provide a great service. We grow these great fruit in that area. And, you know, we've got generational, both, you know, the, the farmers and everybody that works there. And it's like, how do you keep this going? Yeah. Well. Cause, cause it's, you know, it's great. It's a great lifestyle. Retailers paying more would certainly help. Um, well, at least keeping up with the cost of the right goods going up. If you're able to, you know, our input costs get back what going. you're putting in. Yeah. Um, I'm all depressed now. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not meant to depress you. Right? I mean, it's just. Reality. I don't want to lose the it's the, the Leavenworth and Wenatchee Valley yeah. pairs, but so many. Like, I don't know what the percentage of total uh, production there is. Like small families, but I know it's way more than half. Oh, it's all. Everything is. Yeah. There's no. There's no large. No. Wow. That's so the crazy. Wenatchee Valley. There's no. I mean, there's some larger. There's some bigger, families bigger guys, right? But that are in there, but they're not. I want to say like quote unquote corporate. Not like you have out in the basin. Yeah, and I was gonna say you come down here, and a yeah. lot of it is, you know, thousand acre orchards yeah. that are yeah corporate owned. There's not a lot of outside money in our valley. Interesting, huh? Because for, for it, now, <laughs> well, I, I don't think there ever will be because it's so you know how do you, they can come over? They can come into these other areas and they can buy a thousand acres. Yeah, like, so they you, just, you can't right. buy a thousand acres there. You can buy thirty five acres. <laughs> You might be but, able to buy another five someplace else. Yeah, but that's not going to cut it. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't fit their business model. Huh, man. Okay, so what else? What, what other? Any other struggles outside of labor and pests? Well, pests and I mean pests, pests and labor that keeps pests, you up at that night. Keeps us going. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need any other struggles besides that. You got any fun hobbies outside of growing? Uh just the family. I mean, that's why you're there. Like I was saying earlier, that's that's the that's the trade off. Yeah. You deal with all these struggles and headaches and trying to you know, rub two pennies together because when you get home, you know, we in the summer it's hot. So you get out there, you're working, you're doing your thing. A lot of the things, you know, you want to cut off before it's 90 degrees because it's hot. So, you know, one o'clock or whatever, you're wrapping your 10 hour day up and the kids are out in the pool. So you're hanging out, having a barbecue and, you know, enjoying life. Yeah. 
so that's that's the trade-off it's pretty special yes yeah, it i mean and yeah it is special like you know there's like i was saying there's you know 15 kids in the pool all having fun <laughs> splashing around and yeah how do you how do you beat that um so i mentioned that ray the president bluebird had, had told me that you saved his his water yeah. in his community i gotta hear that story <laughs> well well ray was ray was off uh we took him on a customer trip yeah, so he, was, to, he wasn't home <laughs> trying to build some relationships yeah and which he was to, he was yeah i will say uh our customers love ray yeah um, everybody loves ray we took him to a lot of dinners and he was the main event man. yeah <laughs> he can steal a room like no other <laughs> well so it's ray's block that we're he's tearing out some uh, re- replanting some orchard and so they were uh, digging a pit to burn the trees that had been ripped out and yeah his son was on the excavator and ac- accidentally caught the water line and you know we live in these older areas so this is a shared water system that affects not only his area but like the neighbors and like the main line <laughs> yeah and it's like you know somebody knows where that valve's at but it's not like it's under a water district. It's just kind of a community water system. Mm. And, you know, there's a handful of people that know where that valve's at. And I'm not one of them. <laughs> I don't think his his kid did know where the valve was at. And so anyways, he accidentally hooked it and broke the water line. Oh, and, and, you know, so, yeah. You I, had to save the day. Yeah, well, I, I just happened to be there. And I kind of caught wind that there was, you know, problems with the water. <laughs> So I was like, well, I, you know, I got to go pick up my kid at, from school and I'll pick up some tools and I'll be right back. And <laughs> yeah. Ray, so, Ray so I got said, back there and we ended up putting it all back together and getting the water turned back on. So Ray said his son had to call him and tell him what yeah. happened. And, I mean, I think every son has had to call their dad with that oh, exactly. news, right? You just, you just dread it. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> that's and, funny. You know, luckily, as a farmer, that's what you do, right? I mean, it's not the first time, obviously, that we yeah. hit a water line. Yeah. it's <laughs> funny. Um, luckily, it wasn't a big one. What apple varieties do you grow? You said they're kind of, like, not. Um, they're, so, the galas, goldens, some honeycrisp. Well, that's a good mix. I mean, some Brayburns, I think. Uh, some Johnny Gold. Yeah, that's not a good mix. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, what do you think about? That's not. Um, yeah. it's, it's smaller. All these new varieties that are coming in for the apple space, like Cosmic Crisp, mm-hmm. Autumn Glory, um, a lot of others, Jazz Envy, stuff like that. Uh, the pear category is pretty flat, and it's been flat for a while. Um, I know there's some people playing around with the idea of new pear varieties. Do you, yeah. do you think that's an avenue to that could potentially help drive consumption? Um, or I thought you said you wanted to like bring the mood up. <laughs> so do, no. you, do you think it's a benefit to having all you know? What is our 140 different varieties of Something commercially like growing apples in the in the well, country? Well, I think um, a lot of a lot of new varieties fail. Um, the water's kind of muddy, right? Because there's yeah. so many at 140, right? I, I don't know the number, but yeah, something well, like that. It's something like it's that. It's something yeah. close to that. Well, Sam's Club, for example, carries four. Yeah. So what do you do with the other 136 <laughs> of them? Try and sell it to someone else. <laughs> um, but everyone has said that pear consumption is flat. And so half half of our day is spent trying to drive pear consumption. And we're just trying to think of how to do that. So I think there is a really good answer to this, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, so take it, take it however you want. So I think that the pear industry, I think the pears are great. Yeah, they are. I think that 
you know, the pears I eat are wonderful. Whether it's an Anjo, a Bartlett, a Bosque, the Star Crimson's. The Star Crimson is my favorite pear. Is it? But I like eating it straight off the tree, right at harvest. Uh, huh. That's that. Like that's how I like it. Interesting. Uh, I don't want it to, you know, like a, a Bartlett. You'd wait for it to turn right. yellow, and mm-hmm. it's soft and it's juicy and it's, you know. Oh God, I love they're that. Good, right? <laughs> yeah. But the Star Crimson, I like it more like a crispy apple. It's huh. just got a different flavor, and I, I just really like it that way. Not that I don't like any other apples or pears that way, but I think. I think Bartlett's are, or everybody likes a Bartlett yeah. for the most part. They're, the the issue you have with a Bartlett is keeping it looking good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It goes quick. It goes quick. <laughs> and depending on where your flavor pi- profile is, which whoever that consumer is, always- some people like them crunchier, mm-hmm. some people like them softer. What, you know, like when they get soft, they're, you know, the, the, the clock's ticking. Yeah. So that that's its own problem. I don't think that we have... A huge problem with the Bartlett's because I think people enjoy eating those. I think the like the Star Crimson's. I think it's a just getting them in front of the customer. Yeah. At different stages because like I like them crisper. That doesn't mean that the next person likes them crisper. And the thing with an Anjo is that it's hard to check the ripeness. Right. Yeah. Like they don't you know, like a Bartlett. Is it green or yellow? When you it, can you tell. Know, like you can kind of tell mm-hmm. oh, when it's this color. That's where my preference is. Whereas an anjo, it doesn't change the color like that. And that's the majority of the pears that we have in our valley. Mm-hmm. And so in order to keep them fresher or firmer for longer, you know, we were putting things on them in the warehouse and we were trying to copy what was happening in the apple industry and it wasn't working. Right. And so now, you know, there's some people have been like, oh, that's the worst idea ever. We're never doing that again. Other people are like, well, you know, maybe we were just overdoing it and there's something else that we can do with it. And I think at this point where we've got these ripening rooms and so we can kind of kick them into gear and ship them that I think the pairs that we're putting on the market now are more consistent and, and better, you know, they're, 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 they're edible at the store. Right. And I, I've seen that since I've been in the industry, which has been, you know, since 2016. In 2016, you get them at the store and, you know, it's, it's like, oh, rock. this thing's still hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you try and ripen it up, which is a challenge for people. Yeah. Because it's hard to buy right. a pear and then ripen it yourself mm-hmm. three, five days later. You know, like, where's that point? And then you forget about it and you come back, oh, it's, you know, it's too far. I think as as it builds um, confidence for the consumer to know that when they're buying that pear, it's going to yeah. be ready. Maybe not that day, but tomorrow it would be ready. I, I don't know. That... I've been buying them at the store and they're ready. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I always it, buy Bosque or Bartlett. So yeah. I don't mess with Andrews. Yeah. No, um, I've. Wherever I go, I you know, like I said, I look at the fruit, and then if it's ours, I'll eat it. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll buy one, and like, what's you know, how, how's our product in the store, wherever it is. Yeah, and I, you know, I think I, I feel like they're the quality and the taste is there at the store, hmm. more so than it was maybe five or six years right. ago. Right, because of the ripening room. Because of the ripening yeah. rooms, because of how we're storing them. I think. Um, it will take time to build that confidence just yeah. because they haven't had that for so long. Yeah. And so, I mean, even me, like seeing an Angie, I'm like, oh, that won't be ready for five days. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. Um, but over time, I think it will it will help um, consumers be able to know that I can eat this pear right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I truly believe we're there. Like we're, we're there where you can eat the pear now at cool. the store. 
Good. I'm gonna... it, or you can, you know, you can check the neck, right? And, yeah, check the neck. And, uh, check the neck. You know, you know we actually, uh, before my time, right before I came on, they were experimenting experimenting with a PLU sticker uh-huh. that would change color okay. as the Andrew ripen. Yeah. It would, like, read the ethylene or yeah. whatever that came off the pear. Yeah. And it would visually tell you, like, okay, when it's this color, yeah. you can eat it. Yeah. I don't ever know what happened with I that. I don't know. I kind of, like, I vaguely remember hearing something about yeah. that. Uh, I don't know anything I'll, about I'll it. look into it. Yeah. I wonder if it was just not accurate. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. But, but it, going back to that, I think it's just re-educating the public on, mm-hmm. you know, like, people were turned off maybe back in 10 years ago when they'd pick one up and it was hard. And, you know, either we were having a hard time getting it ripe at home. And, you know, there's kind of, oh, I guess I'm not, I'll, I'll go to a Bartlett or I'll go to a boss because yeah. I'm, you know, I will say something the, with it. And... The demand for Bartlett's at retail is insane. Yeah. That's crazy. We can't get enough Bartlett's. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And I, I don't know if it's just because of the consumer preference or them being able to know that it's ready by the color of mm-hmm. it, but it's just like, we can't, can't keep enough of them around. It's just the demand is crazy for yeah. them. They taste great too. They, they're all of them taste great. Yeah, I don't know yeah. anyone who doesn't like a perfectly ripe Bartlett. Yeah, so good. Huh. I could say I could say no. I don't know anybody that doesn't like any of them perfectly ripe. Yeah, you get a perfectly ripe Boss or oh, Anjo. Dude, or <laughs> I love Boss. Star Crimson's. Like... I really like pears. I will say I don't eat a ton of Anjus, but yeah. I love Asian pears. Oh, dude, get me a good Asian pear. Yeah, uh, Bartlett's obviously Boss are great. I do like Star Crimson. I don't know about right off the tree. That's an acquired, that's an acquired taste, that's, dude. That's my favorite one. The <laughs> rock. But it's like an apple. It's not like it's True. not necessarily like yeah. a rock. True. It's just crunchy. True. But it's got a flavor profile to it that I like. Are there any like old vintage varieties that have like phased out? Well, there's a lot of varieties of pears that aren't grown here in the United States that are in other areas of the world. That, like conference pears. Yeah, and I don't they I'm just haven't a, made this market yet. Yeah yet yeah and i don't know you know like i don't know if it's growing regions or you know what there's a there's any kind of issue bringing them into the country or uh, yeah cool well that was good thank you for shedding some light on on the struggles you're facing um yeah i don't want it to be like a doom and gloom thing but i mean i mean it's 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 the reality it's it's the reality that you're living in and i hope uh your neighbors and and yourself you know continue to farm the land Uh, yeah we definitely need Wenatchee Valley pears for sure. Um, countries all, all all over the world recognize the, the quality, I yeah. would say. And the Bluebird label is recognized everywhere as premium. Yeah. And so continuing to have that, I think, is really important. Yeah. No, No. definitely. Yeah. There, there's a lot of headwinds, but yeah, we're up for the challenge. And That's farming. It's farming, yeah. <laughs> Every. Every farmer's got a challenge. Seems like we have a lot, though, compared to some other people. I wish we could yeah. subsidize tree fruits. Gosh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> That's another it's, topic. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for coming yeah. on. I hope you uh, go to the slopes tomorrow. Oh, definitely. I think I might sneak away in the afternoon. Yeah. Try and get some runs. Yeah, I'm actually. You got your... I'm, we're, we're having like a mini, mini guys reunion. So. Nice. You got your powder skis? Yeah, I do. Nice. Do you ski a lot? No, I don't oh, ski a okay. lot. I ski sometimes. Nice. That's better than none yeah. times. <laughs> it was, uh, I never really skied a ton ever. And then, you know, skied when I was young and then started snowboarding and then they got the kids and it was like, well, I gotta go. I can't, you can't really train a kid how to ski on, on a yeah. snowboard. So yeah, I got some new skis. And... So the kids all ski too? Yeah. Sweet. Yep. So. Nice. That's good. I mean, we do live in Leavenworth, so. Yeah. You kind of have to. Yeah. 
Stevens Pass. Stevens Pass. What do you Mich- think about that Mich- whole Mission Ridge? Not, ski necessarily, hill. not necessarily tree fruit related, but what do you think about the Stevens Pass acquisition? Uh have you seen any impacts in the area, like Leavenworth, with that? I don't necessarily. I mean, it's possible. There's just, just there's so many people that I don't know if it's attributed to anything to do with the ski resort or not. Yeah, I do know that we. I know there's a lot of people in our area that go to Stevens. There's employees that live in Leavenworth that you know run Stevens Pass. Yeah. Um, but we also have Mission Ridge right close, and I like there's Mission, a lot, Mission lot less Ridge people is, there. Mission Ridge, I learned, is uh, expanding soon. Yeah. That's great. Are they? Do you know which way they're expanding? Is it towards Ellensburg? I don't know for sure. Yeah. God, dude, it would be so sweet if we could get to Mission Ridge from Ellensburg. That like would the be... Yakima people. Oh, man, you might be onto something there. <laughs> I don't. I don't know their plan at all. That would be. I know sweet. they got. They got. They got good snow up there though. Yeah, they do. Um, and the lines are not what they, they are. They other just resorts. Mission Ridge just acquired a small resort in uh, Montana too yeah. by Flathead Lake. Okay. A really small resort, so they're growing too. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big skier, so it fascinates yeah. me. Yeah, I was just curious, a local to Stevens, if you had noticed any. any no, change. I, a lot of dollars went into yeah. Stevens Pass. There's so. and there's a lot of people that they you know they have seasons passes there. We have a program through the school. The kids can get seasons passes mm, cool. to go to Stevens if they you know meet their reading requirements. And oh, really? Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, so there's it, a you it, know, and so there's a lot of people that that's that, cool in our area that go to Stevens and. Yeah, the and then we have Ski Hill right in town. That's right. And so, like, if you, I, I think ride, it's third grade, they'll you get done with school. They'll bust you up that's there. That's so cool. I rode right uh, mountain bikes up there. There's a trail called yeah. Rosie Boa, and it, you go up the the rope tow or whatever it is. Yeah. Now that's where you like ride up, and then you take the ridge back down. Yeah. It was so fun. I remember being like. This is a tiny ski hill, but I bet if I was like elementary school or high school, I'd be up there every day, yeah. man. Oh, they got like the little carpet now. Uh-huh. So my five year old goes up the carpet and, you know, it's perfect. Yeah. Huh. The kids go up the rope toe and, man, you're up there for an hour or two or four. That's all you need. All yeah. Day I mean, or when, when they're young like now that. Now they got the, they got the uh, tubing yeah. up there. I got, yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, it's great for our, you know, it's great for the community. Right. Yeah. Kids That's get cool. to learn. I wish we had that in town here. Yeah. We have to go to White Pass, which is like 45 minutes. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, thank you for coming in. Yeah. Um, appreciate hearing your perspective on it. And I'm glad you're on the Bluebird board and yeah. involved in, in helping continue the success that they've had. So, yeah. Thank you. 110 years? Hundred, Yeah. hundred. This was 110 years this yeah. year. That's crazy. So it's a lot of pressure now to keep that going, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how Do you know how many original families are, are still? I don't. I, I know, know there's that. a handful, yeah, for sure. Um, it's fascinating, but I, I do know that we've not been any other warehouse in our five, four generations. Really? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So they're doing a good job then. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a good team for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thank you. Hope guys. you have a fun ski day tomorrow. Yeah, with the to. boys. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll see you up there. Hopefully. Come cool. on up. All right, Brock. Hour? Yeah. Okay.